Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 120 with Lyme Ninja, Susan Pogorzelski. Also with us in the studio is our certified show producer and the brains behind Lyme Ninja Radio, Aurora Hello, and in this episode, you'll learn about how Susan wrote her first book to help her deal with her grandmother's passing, how writing helped her channel her emotions so they wouldn't become self-destructive, and about her new book, which is a semi-autobiographical depiction of Lyme disease. You know, one reason I was very excited to interview Susan was when I pitched the ideal to her talk about Lyme disease. Obviously, there's the connection there, but I was very interested to hear what she had to say about writing as a form of, oh, I don't want to say therapy, but a therapeutic, the therapeutic effects of writing. It's so incredibly powerful, and I really want to encourage you, those of you who are struggling, it's really a fantastic way to begin to get a handle on what you're going through. So I strongly encourage you to listen all the way through this interview. And if you haven't, start writing. Even if you're just dictating into an iPhone and you physically can't write, just begin to get those words out there. It's really, really magical. And I'd also like to give a shout out to a few of you who've joined our Keto Challenge. Thank you, Jay and Jessica. And also head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and subscribe to Lime Ninja Radio. It's totally optional and we appreciate every dime that's given our way. There are three levels there starting at very affordable $1 per episode, which we bill at $4 a month. So it's like almost everybody can afford that, right? And I just have to say very special thank you to Katie. Katie gave us a very generous donation, which will go a long way to paying our bills. So Katie, thanks very much. And lastly, we also will be organized around giving away a copy of Susan's book, The Last Letter. So be sure you head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com, click on Susan's interview, and enter in the contest. I'm looking forward to reading it, too. Um, but I also want to say thank you, Adriana and Matt, uh, also for just for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. Thank you so much, you guys. Yes, thanks. The more, the merrier. Again, just to do that, go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and hit the subscribe button, and you'll see all the information right there. There are a couple different levels depending on your ability to pay. And if you can't pay, just... Enjoy Lime Ninja Radio and share us on Facebook. That goes a long way, too. So that's that. Right, Aura? That's that. That's that. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest? All right. Susan Pogorzelski was born in Pennsylvania, where she graduated from college with a BA in English. In 2012, she was diagnosed with late stage Lyme disease after being sick with little explanation for nearly 15 years. In 2013, with the help of friends and family, she self published her first book 
Gold in the Days of Summer, which won the 2014 International Rubri Book Award for the children's category. And after being in remission for nearly a year, Susan relapsed in 2015. Her new book, The Last Letter, is closely based on her own struggles with Lyme disease. Okie dokie, Aurora, thanks very much. And here's our interview with Susan Porgozelski. Hi, Susan. It's McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, McKay. How are you? Wonderful. So I was reading your blog, and you had a big event happen about a month ago. Well, not quite. A couple weeks ago. Three weeks ago? Um, yeah, about a month now. It's been a month. Yeah, uh, my book release. No, I was talking about your birthday. Oh, my birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that, my birthday and my book was in the same week, so that was kind of, it was busy. Well, that was going to be my segue into your book, but we can segue into your birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so did you do anything special for your birthday? Um, just celebrate with family and friends. Sounds perfect. Yeah, it, it really was. Now, you did celebrate your birthday with a book release. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And was that your first book? I was trying to figure that out from your website. No, this is actually my second. It's my first full-length novel. Okay. The first one was a little bit shorter. And when did you decide you wanted to write? Um, always. Always? Writing, yeah. Always, writing has always been important to me. Um, when I was first diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2012, um, I decided to push forward with publishing my first book. So I ended up creating my own business and, um, and, and publishing that book. I had, uh, I ran a Kickstarter, um, campaign to get some funds for that. And, um, that book was really what pushed me forward into recovery. Um, cause it gave me a purpose. It gave me something to do. It gave me a dream, something to look forward to. Um, so I was really proud of that. I honestly, I didn't know if I was going to, I didn't know how the Lyme disease treatment was going to turn out. Um, so that kept me, that kept me going, that book. So the second book, it was really, um, the second book that just released was really a companion to that. So tell us a little bit about the first book then. I'm all of a sudden curious about the first one. So how oh, did, sure. how did that inspire you to keep going? Um, well, the first book is um, about a 12-year-old girl named Annie who has a grandmother with Alzheimer's disease, and that is based on my childhood growing up with my grandmother who had Alzheimer's. Um, and I wrote that a number of years ago. It's what really helped me heal from my grandmother's passing. Um, so that is what led to me wanting to publish it and get it out there because writing books has always been my dream. So I really wanted to, to push for that. Like I said, I didn't know how my recovery and treatment with Lyme disease was going to turn out. So that gave me something to look forward to every day. Um, and then um, the second book, The Last Letter, was really um, the book that I needed to write after that. It, I wasn't done healing. I needed to heal from this Lyme disease. So all of my books have a lot of personalized attention 
to it, even though they're fiction. It's, it's very personal to me. That's amazing. I want to talk to you, get in deeper into the healing aspects of writing. But before we do yeah. that, let's talk about your Lyme story and a little bit about your Lyme journey. So how old were you when you got it? Where do you think you got it? So forth and so on. Sure. Um, well, we can't, we're not really sure when I first got it. Um, we think I may have had it as young as, you know, a, a really young child. Um, we can trace it back to at least when I was 13 and when I had what they thought was mono. Um, and I had just gone on a camping trip with my class then. Um, and shortly after that, I fell ill. And after that, I was never really the same. Um, every year, it seemed after that, I had something else that was wrong with me. Um, I had trouble breathing, which I can now recognize as air hunger. Yeah. Um, I had panic attacks in high school. I had migraines. And always the fatigue. The fatigue has been the worst. And um, finally, the doctors diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome. So I kind of kept that diagnosis in my back pocket. And I went to college, um, graduated, went to work, did some traveling. Um, but I started getting um, even sicker as my 20s went on. And um, I was diagnosed with PCOS. I had virus after virus. I started having abdominal pain. Um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I had every test under the sun done. Um, finally, they decided to just do um, exploratory surgery and take my gallbladder out. And that turned out to be infected. And that was in 2011. And so I thought that was going to be the end of it. I was going to be fine, you did, know, when you're you in feel, that much pain. Yeah. Did you feel better when they took the gallbladder out? I, I did for about two or three months. Um, and I, I started a running program. I had more energy than I've had in a while. And when you're in that much pain, you think, well, that makes you tired all the time. Oh, of I course. thought, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was the, the cause of my low energy. Um, but then I started having really weird symptoms happening. Um, I uh, was driving down the street one night and I ended up um, blacking out for a split second. And that scared me enough to go to the doctor. And that started a whole another round of doctor's visits. So it was about six months after I got my gallbladder out, I started declining very, very quickly. I was passing out all the time. Um, I was having burning sensations in my legs, um, strange pains, electric shocks. Um, the psych symptoms were the scariest for me. I had like derealization, nothing felt real around me. I was having trouble reading and writing. Um, there were times when I was just so tired that I was stuttering. I was having trouble walking. So I was in four different hospitals um, practically every other week, um, but they couldn't figure out anything that was wrong with me. And um, there was just something inside of me that just kept saying, don't give up, don't give up. Like, you're going to figure this out. There's really something wrong with you. But you start to think you're going crazy. And I asked my parents, who were a huge support for me, am I going crazy? And they kept saying, if you think there's something going on, there's something going on. This is not the Susan that we know. And I'm like, no, it doesn't feel like me. This feels like there's something really wrong here. So we went to specialists. Um, I went to Johns Hopkins. Um, they, because they thought I was had the beginning of MS. 
because um, I was having those issues, and that turned out fine. They said it's just migraines and a vitamin B12 deficiency and uh, fibromyalgia. So at that point, I said, wait a minute. That that can't be right. There, uh, between In the past year, I'd gotten a diagnosis of PCOS, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, migraines. I said there has to be one root cause. So I started doing some digging myself, and I looked on all the message boards and all the symptom checkers, and everything kept coming up with Lyme disease. And I had asked my doctor if they would give me a test, and they refused. And um, Isn't that so at that funny? point, yeah, you know, it's it's horrible. It's it's it makes you feel it's, it makes you feel like who can you trust if you can't trust the medical community? Right. If they won't do a simple blood test. Yeah, and exactly. What, and where were you living at the time? What part of the country were you in? I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's you're so even in, a, really, in a, yeah you're in a Lyme endemic area, and they're saying, exactly. oh no, can't be Lyme. That's ins- exactly. that's ins- literally insane. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I had ordered the test kit for myself, and the doctors wouldn't even <laughs> sign off on it. I mean, I was I was at this point convinced that it was Lyme. Everything was pointing to Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they wouldn't when they wouldn't sign off on it, I lost it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I said to my mom, Mom, I give up. She said, don't give up. She said, I know you're tired of fighting. I'm going to fight for you now. Mm. So um, I ended up writing on this message board, can anybody help me find a doctor? And the very next day, someone wrote back and gave me a list of doctors in Pennsylvania that I could go to. And I just had a really good feeling about this one. Um, Contacted them, ended up speaking to them for about an hour and a half on the phone, um, even before my appointment. And they were mentioning symptoms of Lyme disease that I had, but I didn't even know were symptoms, like tinnitus. And um, I was hearing music in the corner of my bedroom that I thought, like, I really thought I was going crazy when I was hearing music. I thought maybe it was just my imagination. Um, So that was in May of 2012, about six months after I had my gallbladder out. And I'm convinced that I would not have lasted the summer if I hadn't found that doctor. That's an amazing story. It's a familiar one, unfortunately. You know, I I say that I even (laughs) so true confessions here. I ask people about to tell their story about their journey, and it's always Mm -hmm. the same story. It really is. Yeah. However, yeah. everybody's has their own little unique twist on it. And it's, you know, it's like watching a blockbuster movie. They all have the same plot, but the unique twist is what makes it interesting. And yeah. there are going to be lots of people listening to this and just hearing your story and they'll hear their story in it too. And they'll find hope in that and they'll find reassurance in that and they'll regain some of their fighting spirit with that, uh, or, or just some reassurance and comfort even. So it's yeah, really important fair. that even though, you know, you were saying it's like, geez, what can I add to this conversation? There's nothing new. I've heard this story 300 times. I don't want to tell mine, but yeah, it's important that we keep telling this story over and over again because there are thousands of people out there like you, if not, yeah. mil- if not millions. And you, you almost reach that point where you do want to give up, where you say, what does it matter? Nobody's helping me. 
how can I help myself anymore? But there's just that, that little nugget, I think, that everybody has that just says, just keep going, just keep going a little bit longer. Well, you had a big and nugget. You had your mom. I had my mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also had my intuition that just said, just, you know, there's something, you know, just keep pursuing it. And and I trusted my intuition, and, and that led me to my doctor, and thankfully. What treatment began to turn things around? I'm always curious. I'm, I was on oral antibiotics for about two and a half years, um, and I ended up going into remission for about nine months. Um, I was really eager, probably too eager to be in remission. I was like, yes, I have my life back now. I can you know, do all the things I wanted to do. Everything was full steam ahead. But um, unfortunately, um, a lot of stress at my job and just um, not recognizing the symptoms as quickly as I should have led to a full relapse last year. And um, I ended up being, we're not sure entirely if it was a relapse or if it was a reinfection because I actually ended up getting two new co-infections. So right now I'm still in recovery, but... um, I keep saying to myself, hey, you got through it once, you can do it again. And are you back on oral bi- antibiotics? Yeah, yep. Now, you mentioned... And, and lots of supplements. And lots of supplements, right, yep. A, <laughs> yeah. a cupboard full. <laughs> Have you seen Bob Miller down there? Do you know Bob Miller? No. He's a naturopath. Mm-mm. Okay. I just done a workshop with him. He's he's brilliant when it comes to sorting out what supplements you need and what you can kind of hang off on. Is he with Tree of Life? Yes, that's him. Okay, okay. I have heard of him. Yeah. Just wondering since you're in the same neighborhoods. Yeah. We we interviewed him eh, six, eight weeks ago, something like that. And his his podcast quickly shot to the most popular. It was amazing. People were hungry oh, for great. what he had to say. And he's presenting this week at iLads, so that'll date this conversation oh, for everybody. So he's presenting some of his findings. He's doing some specific research in terms of what genetic mutations tend to show up again and again with Lyme disease. And he's trying to figure out, is there a pattern with that? And he's presenting one small piece of his his findings there. So it's it's really quite interesting. Yeah, I really should reach out to him. Um, people keep calling me about him. I just never have, and I really should. Yeah, he's a good egg. And... uh He's, yeah, good. He really is. So meanwhile, <laughs> out of the world of genetics and supplementation and antibiotics, <laughs> let's let's talk about the human spirit and let's talk about writing. And yes. you know, you I don't want to say you were born a writer, but you took to writing very early and kept on writing. I'm I'm assuming you're one of those you were one of those children who had a little notebook or a diary or something like that. Am I wrong? I did. No, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You've got me pegged. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it makes sense. Why not use your skills to just keep going in life and in, and in work and in your passion? Now, when mm-hmm. you were ill, even leading up to your diagnosis with Lyme, were you writing during that? Yes. Um, I have been blogging for, uh, I want to say almost 10 years now. Um, so even when I was sick with um, anxiety and panic attacks and all these strange symptoms that was going on, I was blogging about it. I just didn't have a name for it. Um, and so when I did get diagnosed with Lyme disease, then that became um, that became my advocacy efforts. It became, hey, this is what this is. It's very dangerous, very scary, very real. 
um, let me share my story. So blogging kind of took on that. Um, it, it wasn't just healing for me. It was awareness as well. But the healing was a huge factor for me. Now, you're sick, right? You're you're battling. You're on your Lyme journey. You're mm-hmm. blogging. You're trying to keep a job, I assume, through I all this? I did keep a job. I did keep a job for um, past three years. Um, unfortunately, I'm unable to work right now. Right. Uh, sorry about that. And Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but there's only so much a human being can do at once. That's right. So That's heal right. yourself. It took and, me a long time. Yeah. It took me a long time to learn that lesson. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one because we want to be normal, right? I don't mm-hmm, want to admit yeah. that we're really that sick. Right, exactly. Right. Now, how did you, in the midst of all this, find time to write a book? Um, just little by little, day by day. Um, the past year and a half when um, I haven't been working, I still haven't been able to write much because of the neurological symptoms. It was very difficult for me to read full passages or write more than a few sentences at a time. So the fact that I, I turned around and I looked at my writing, and I said, Oh, I have a book. It, 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 I don't really know how I did it. Um, I just kept plugging away at it just a few minutes a day and it turned into, turned into a book. Amazing. I always, I think we all have at least one book in us. And I'm sure many people listening think, wow, I should write a book about this, that, or the other thing. And we mm-hmm. just never get started. And the excuse is, well, I just don't have the time. And here you are saying, well, all I wrote is a few minutes every day. And then I turned around and I had a book. I'm embarrassed yeah. now. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're putting me to shame. <laughs> well, I really do believe that everybody has a story. And I really do believe that all it takes is just, you know, a little bit at a time, just keep playing away at it. And when you say a little bit of time, are you talking about like 15 minutes, 30 minutes? It could be as little as 15 minutes, wow. yeah. Um, I mean, over the course of the year is when I really – well, I started in 2014 before I really knew what it was going to be. Um, but over the course of the past year is when I really started to work at it. Um, but like I said, my neurological issues were so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't sit down and write for hours at a time. So it really was one sentence, sometimes even one word at a time. Now, how does this, I want your opinion about this, your reflection on this. How does writing heal? Well, I think so. I have a couple of answers to that. Um, I'm all ears. I So I have... Um, a couple of different journals. One of them is my everyday journal where I just write reflections of the day or things that I'm thinking about. One of them is um, the heavy stuff, you know, the real emotions that I'm feeling. Um, And then another one is what I call channeling. And that is when I just put the pen to the paper and I just write Um, whatever it is I'm feeling. No, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It's just getting the emotions down onto the paper. And I think that getting those emotions out of your body, out of your brain, is helpful. You have to have some place to put that pain. Um, and for me, for I think for a lot of artists, that's either the canvas or it's music or it's, it's the page. So that is, I think, how you can heal emotionally. Um, just getting the, the pain, the emotions, anything that you're feeling out of yourself and putting it somewhere else. 
And um, that also helps you reflect on it a little bit, saying, okay, why am I feeling these things? Why am I feeling lonely? What is this isolation doing to me? Why am I feeling frustrated at this? So once I started getting the emotions out there, I, I could really take a step back and say, okay, this is why I'm feeling frustrated. This is why I'm feeling guilt. This is why I have to forgive myself for being sick, even though it's not my choice. Um, because when you have an illness like this that's chronic, you get so, you become, you're overcome by these emotions. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know how to deal with them. You don't know where to put them. So I think that getting it out there, um, nobody has to see it, but at least putting it to the page, some, like somehow it just, it gives you an outlet. It, it makes it cathartic for you so that it's not inside of you anymore. That's fascinating. And here's a little question for you. Do you write in in the first person or the third person in that kind of stuff? Um, for journaling, it's all first person. It's all, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? Okay. Um, even for my past few books, it was first person, although I'm starting to venture into a third but um so that's the second part of my answer when i'm writing fiction now the last letter my my newest book is about it's a semi-autobiographical account of my experience with the Lyme disease and i wanted to tell my story but i was still so close to it that i couldn't tell it as a memoir and so fiction is my first love i love that there's always truth in fiction um so i kind of created a narrative around my story so that I could still create some kind of distance um, between me and the characters and what I'm going through and what the character goes through. So it's still a lot of the medical and the health stuff is still what I experienced and all the emotion that my character feels is what I feel or have felt, but um, it's still, it still created a distance, enough of a distance for me that I didn't have to really experience it again. But I could still tell my story in that way. And your character's name is Amelia. Amelia. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Amelia. Amelia is, uh, at the start of the novel, she's 15. Um, she's kind of a sensitive soul. Um, she starts out... Um, kind of the same, my same story, not really knowing what's happening to her um, before she finds out that it, it is actually Lyme disease. Um, but as we go through the story, we learn a little bit about, about her family, about her friends, um, and about her experiences with um, how she deals with the Lyme disease. What is it, you know, if, what does it mean to survive? Um, what does it mean to be a survivor of illness? What does it mean to to go through this seemingly on your own, but still having a supportive family and friends, but when nobody understands what it what Lyme disease is exactly? Will you read us a little bit of your book? You know, I'll, I'll read a little bit of this. It's actually about Lyme disease, if that's okay. Of course. Yep. Okay. Um. Okay. So in this passage, um, Leah has a friend. Um, Brianna, who also has Lyme disease. And um, what I really wanted to show with this, with having Brianna included in the book, is that um, there are so many of us and that we aren't alone in what we're going through. 
So in this passage, um, Brianna has come over to talk with Leah. I asked her how she knew I was sick in the first place, and she shrugged and said Mimi had mentioned what everyone was saying in school. What's everyone saying in school, I asked, but she ignored me. It's easy to see the patterns and recognize the symptoms once you've lived with it for so long, she said. It's real, and it's scary, and anyone who says otherwise has never lived through it. You'll see. I didn't know if I wanted to see. I just wanted to get better and put this all behind me, pretend I'd never heard of Lyme disease. But how likely was that? How could I even begin to ignore something that had stolen the past three years of my life like this? How could I go back to school and talk about who's dating who and what everyone's wearing? And did I see the new movie that just came out when I'm barely at school? How unlucky if I even swap out my pajamas for sweatpants just to go to Sam's apartment for an hour. I don't feel real anymore, like I'm not even human. It's like these germs have invaded my body for so long that now I'm mutated, like I'm not even Leah. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I was before this because I was just starting to figure that out. And I don't know who I'll be after this because who knows how much it has changed me already. Am I the anxiety? Am I the loneliness and isolation? Am I the pain and fatigue? Am I the confusion? This girl who can't make sense of the world right now. Am I the auditory hallucinations that become some kind of weird comfort? Because the music is beautiful and belongs to me alone. And I think, if there's anything good to come from this disease, it's that song. Am I everything I write in these letters, wanting to belong and connect with a stranger and prove that I exist? Or is even this just a byproduct of the disease? Like I wouldn't have these words, or you, without it. That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Since we all have a book within us, and at least a book full of notes <laughs> that we can write to ourselves, <laughs> and since since writing is cathartic and it is healthy, and it's a way of meditation, I view it as a way of meditation. Yes, yes. That's, that's what I mean by channeling. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the one of the purpose of, of meditation is to become present to what it is we're feeling and to create some distance between who we are as an individual, our spirit, and maybe you could even argue our soul, but who we are as an individual and what we're experiencing. And if we can create some separation and writing does that automatically, you all of a sudden you put these words on a page and they're outside of you and you can see them and you can read back on them. And you start to put just the tiniest little wedge between you and what you're feeling. And that's, that can be the beginning of a remarkable shift in healing. All of a sudden it's not as personal as when you are the raw emotion or the raw pain or you're just in the raw suffering of why me? If you can begin to create a little bit of a wedge, a little bit of an observer that takes yourself outside, and I'm talking about completely leaving your body, but just that little bit of observer that, you know, this too shall pass. This pain isn't Mm -hmm. me. This disease isn't me as opposed to you know, I have Lyme disease. It's like, well, I've got a body and it's got Lyme disease or something like that. Where once right. that separation is there, then all of a sudden you can begin to relate to yourself in a different way. And it gives you some power. And I think you mentioned that in your blog somewhere that, that your writing gave you some power over, over Lyme disease. Oh yeah. And that was so beautifully put. I just have to say the way you just said that was just beautiful. Um, 
exactly. I mean, the thing with Lyme is that it does change you, but you can be just diluted with suffering or it can change you into something better and something stronger and something wiser. And it took me a long time to accept that because I didn't want to change. I thought I'm good with who I am. I don't want to change. I don't want to become, you know, less of a sensitive person. I don't want to become like, I didn't even want to become stronger because I thought this is who I am. I don't want this disease to change me. But over the years, I've realized that it does make you stronger. And being strong just means that, you know, you have the ability to stand up for people, to stand up um, and say, you're not alone. I'm in this with you, and I'm going to fight with you. It just it, it just makes you, in a way, a better person. It, it teaches you so many lessons. And you're absolutely right that the writing can be key to that because, for example, I have a notebook that is filled with just um, curse words and expletives <laughs> and just, I mean, when I was so frustrated that the frustration was coming out as anger just at the universe and God and, you know, just this disease itself, I just didn't know what to do with all of that. I mean, I have a punching bag and that was really helpful. But um, the writing is what really healed me because I had a place to put those words and that pain. And what I found as I was, you know, as the, the cursing kind of, you know, ebbed a little bit was I was starting to talk to myself or my soul was starting to speak and say, look, you're going through a rough time right now, but you're going to survive this. You're going to get through this. It's going to get better. And that's what I found every time I started off with all this, anger and all this, you know, this guilt that just, I was being a burden on my family and my friends and I didn't want to be, um, I always wrote my, my way back to hope at the end of the, at the end of the writing session, there was always hope there. There was always something that said, keep going, keep fighting. You're going to get it. You're going to get through it. Funny. So uh, getting through the anger, getting through the emotions got you to your, fighting spirit and that came present again and without that writing it may have stayed buried for days or weeks i think they call that exactly. depression <laughs> yeah yeah right? yeah yeah when we lose yeah, access the to that part. The loneliness yeah the isolation that you feel because it's hard to go outside or to be social like you want to be yeah the writing you know when your flame kind of burns low like that you know the writing getting it out there can kind of Increase that flame a little bit more. Get that that fire back in you. Now, if your best friend called you or texted you or emailed you and said, you know, I want to start journaling like you do, how would you tell her to get going? I mean, and just like the nuts and bolts, too. Yeah, I mean, I like to get a really nice-looking journal because I think that the atmosphere um, – really helps. Um, but anything, any kind of notebook would work. Um, and just put the pen to paper and just write what you feel. You don't have to show it to anybody. You can burn it when you're done, but you know, just start kind of stream of consciousness, just whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, just let the pen move. And, do you, and soon do you, you'll start. Do you use a pen or do you use a pencil? I use a pen and um, have- just because the writing flows better. And do you have a favorite color? No, any pen that works. <laughs> okay. 
Any any pen, I should say, any pen that my dog has to eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so get a pretty notebook, get a pen. Yeah, something that that you're comfortable with, that um, you know, the grip, the the pressure, the, the so that when you're writing, it just flows nicely, um, so that you don't have to stop or anything. Something that just feels good. You like the the feel of the. So you like some of the pens have a nice fat ball and not necessarily they have a fat line, but they just roll so much more smoothly. Some pens are really, they just feel. Yeah, cheap, that's right? exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean by flow. So that the, so that the words flow, the ink flows. Yep. Interesting. Now you had some pretty serious neurological issues and symptoms at the time. Were there times where you just couldn't physically or should I say neurologically write? Yeah. Um, so what'd you do first? Well, before the, the worst of it was before I was diagnosed, um, I was at work at the time and I couldn't read what was on the screen. Um, my signature became an illegible scrawl. Um, that's when I knew something was seriously wrong with my brain, with my body. Um, the past year, I want to say last fall especially, is when I was having trouble again. It wasn't as severe as that, but I was having trouble pulling the words out. Um, I would sit down to write um, even an email, and um, I am not one for brevity. I like to talk, and I like to get my points across. So I write these thick emails, but I couldn't write more than a few sentences because I couldn't I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't find the words to say them. And as a writer and as a communicator, that was so frustrating for me. And there were days and weeks where I just couldn't do any of that. And that's when my notebook filled up with curse words, by the way. (laughs) So you kept writing just not sentences, just expletives. What is happening to me? Why is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have heard people say who who do like to journal and use this as a healing tool that they have even gone as far as have somebody write for them, a trusted friend, or to record yeah. and use a little yeah. recording app on their phone. And you know, obviously, it won't be part of the journal after that, but to to ex- continue to get it outside of themselves in some way. Yeah, I would have brief moments of clarity. Um, I'm going to say pockets of clarity where um, it was just a few minutes at a time, mostly before I went to bed, where I would just pull my phone out and um, dash off emails to myself um, just to get the thoughts that were in my head down. Um, so a lot of my book, for example, it started out with just snippets of scenes and notes that once my head started clearing up, I was able to kind of, um, expand into actual chapters and themes, but um, there were whole passages that I had to throw away because I had no idea what I was trying to say or what I was saying at all. So, been very generous with your time. I want to wrap up when people want to find out about your book, and I'm sure after listening to it and hearing about it, they'll want to check it out. What's the best way? Tell us about your website, or is it on Amazon? Where's your book? Yeah, it's available on all online retailers, so Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, um, Kobo, anywhere that you can get a book. Um, it's available in paperback and digital versions. 
Um, but signed copies and to learn more about the book itself or my story, um, it's available at SusanPobrzelski.com. And you blog for someone else too, don't you? Yeah, I just started as a contributor to The Mighty. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, I had done a guest post with the Global Lyme Alliance as well. So you're starting to spread your wings, right? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. That's terrific. Thank you again. Susan, I just want to say thank you. It's been delightful speaking with you, and I look forward to interviewing you when your next novel comes out. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think I'm going to enjoy her books, too. I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, But one thing she said specifically about in the middle of the interview was how she was describing her, how she used writing to channel her emotions and without that as a as a form of expression then she it it would have been very easy to let her emotions stay inside and and fester and turn evil kind of and uh it's reminded me of other people uh that we've interviewed interviewed as well like Aaron Murphy who talked about journaling yes. uh yeah emotions should just blow through they're not designed to hang out. They only hang out when we give them extra energy. They need to be uh, in order to take up residence, which they're not designed to do. An emotion's designed to give us some information, some context about what's happening around us. So joy, fear, anger, grief, they're, they're a way for the brain to process extra information about the context, what's going on. But the emotion should come and go. Unless it's being recreated by something outside of you. And in that case, then there are techniques where we can begin to let go and not be triggered, to borrow a phrase that's popular these days, by everything that's going on around you. I mean, Lyme Lyme disease is a huge trigger. And if you can't separate yourself from that trigger, it's going to be a long road to recovery. And writing is one of the beautiful ways where you can begin to distinguish you as an individual, as a unique being, as opposed to this suffering, which doesn't have to be you. I mean, this is not original thinking on my part. This is uh, what's man's search for meaning. Who's the author for that again? Do you remember? I do not know. Oh, good grief. Oh. I'm forgetting the philosopher's name. Anyway, he he was uh, interred in Nazi Germany. He was a Jew. And he discovered total freedom in that situation. And if somebody can sit outside a gas chamber and experience total freedom, then I think we can do the same thing with Lyme disease. I really do. It takes something. It takes work. But you can do it. You're great. <laughs> You were telling me that yesterday. (laughs) Yes, my wife has been saying that phrase. She said it to me once about three months ago, and it just stuck in my head. It's so corny, but it's really become part of me now. She said, you can do it. You're great. So (laughs) we really can separate ourselves from our suffering, from our emotions, from the emotions we don't like. 
And if we really truly can generate that space, the emotions have the room just to blow through. Yeah, they come and they can be really strong, but they don't last that long. 30 seconds. That's about it for emotion to play out. Any longer than that, and we're thinking about it and nurturing it and giving it energy, you're resisting it. Okay, enough philosophizing. Philosophizing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're making up words tonight. <laughs> enough talking. So I'll put a link to Man's Search for Meaning on the show notes, and I still can't remember the name. I'm so embarrassed. Anyway, uh before we move on, I want to give a special shout out to those of you who joined the Keto Challenge this week to Pat, Jay, and Jessica. Welcome aboard. We've sent you some emails. And just to give an idea of what ketones can do, Aurora, why don't you read us that email? Sure. So the email says, I just took my first dose of ketones. I used 16 ounces of water and drank only 8 ounces, saving the rest for the evening sometime. I immediately, even before finishing the 8 ounces, felt my vision clearing and energy getting stronger. I could stand up better. I will not go into that now. Just wanted to give you a short report. Thanks, Roy. And to enter the Keto Challenge, just go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com. Let me say that, not slurring, LimeNinjaRadio.com, <laughs> and you'll see a splash screen. Just click on the Learn More button, and that will take you to the Keto Challenge page. Also, as a reminder, we are giving away Susan's book, so head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and click on this podcast 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 number 120 and you will see where to enter to win yes and if for some reason you're listening to this many weeks after it's come out just go on to the most recent podcast at the top of LimeNinjaRadio.com and see if there's a contest there we're trying to get contests every week obviously we're not going to be successful 100% of the time but particularly when there's an author most of them are very generous and willing to get their book out there for a fun thing like this so go ahead and go on over there and enter and see if you win and last as you longtime Lime Ninjas know this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know Apple pays ninjas 99 cents every time they listen to a song? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.